Hey everyone, it's just me, Chris. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know that the new website is now live, so if you want to check it out, you're more than welcome to. I'll put it in the show notes. I've collected the interviews onto one page, the Van Life episodes onto one page, all the podcasts get an entry up there too, and I'm looking for guest writers who will do a once-a-month entry and chat about somewhere that they've been to as well. Also, we are now on Patreon, so if you want to support the podcast in that way, you're more than welcome to. I've made sure that the first tier is just the price of a cup of, a cup of coffee each month, and the other tiers have some more benefits as well, so check it out if you'd like to. But thank you very much for listening, and let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains, where we talk about your adventure travels from backpacking to expeditions. I'm your host, Chris, and today we welcome Lucy Shepherd from lucysheppard.net who is an incredibly accomplished individual, I really recommend that you go and check out the interview we did all the way back in June to give that a listen and find out much more about everything she's accomplished. We are going to talk about the Kanuka Mountains in Guyana today. We're going to talk about getting chased by Bushmaster snakes, getting stuck into the wilderness and exploring the unexplored jungle and doing what, as far as we know, no one else has done before. I really hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, consider subscribing and following and sharing with a friend but otherwise let's just get straight into it so once again we welcome lucy shepherd to the podcast thank you so much for coming back how are you today hi i'm very good thank you for having me again yes yeah well it's, it's my pleasure um so for anyone who doesn't know if you've just joined on recently we did a in, an interview to, to speak the proper grammar an interview together uh, in june that went up on Lucy Shepherd. Lu- Lucy is an incredibly experienced individual, and today we are talking about yes, talking about my recent expedition to the Kanuku Mountains across the Kanuku Mountains in the yes. jungle. Yeah, which is which threw me off the first time I heard about it because you mentioned mountains, so I, I'm instantly thinking uh, not <laughs> parasites and jaguars, but uh, but it's in the jungle. Yeah, no, it's a mountain range, so it, it's full. Of, I mean. You never really realise you're on a mountain, apart from the fact you're going up and down. You don't see views. You're in very much in dense, dense jungle, but you're definitely going going across them a lot. Perfect. So, what was the trip, and how was it all as an overview? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think on my interviews on the last podcast we did, I, I talked briefly about. Um, I first went to the jungle in 2014. Uh, and I went there and I had sort of scary scenario with a jaguar that I thought was stalking me, wasn't stalking me, it was stalking something underneath me. Um, but it, but it really, really left me with a fear of the jungle and it, the whole jungle is very claustrophobic. You have to look after yourself in ways completely differently and look, look out for things completely differently compared to the Arctic and the mountains and things like that. Um, so I thought I'll put the jungle to the side and I'll concentrate on everything else. And then um, last year, uh, towards the end of last year, September time, I started to realise something in my life was missing. Uh, even though I'm going on lots of expeditions each year, very challenging, very um, risky moments and all these things, filling those boxes. But there was still something that I knew wasn't quite testing me to the point where I love to be tested. And so it seemed very obvious that the answer would be to go back to the jungle. And I think I said in my kitchen um to my boyfriend you know I'm gonna go back to the jungle and he I didn't know where I didn't know what I was gonna do I just very much knew in my heart I had to go back um and that things would come from me going to the jungle not only within myself but in my life as well and he said well why you have to have a reason he almost like tested and prodded for me you know you have to have a reason to go you can't just go to the jungle and I'm very much in the sort of the team that if you have a feeling and if you want to go somewhere you will find the reason will come to you. You'll, well, you'll figure it out. The map will start to appear. The path will start to appear. And so you just need to start, basically. Um, and so I fought my corner and I started contacting some friends I have out there who um, know the... I wanted to go back to Guyana. So Guyana is near um, Venezuela, um, uh, up in the north of South America. And I want to go back there because it has some real pristine jungle, um, really, really untouched. The people there are brilliant. It's actually, um, even though there are lots of tribes there that speak their own language, uh, a lot of people do speak English because um, the Brits went over there many years ago and it's a, it's officially an English-speaking country. Put a flag in the ground um, and said it's ours, right? <laughs> pardon, sorry? 
put a flag in the ground and just said it was ours, right? Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous, but <laughs> that's what happened. And um, but it just has such such unexplored, untouched jungle. Um, so I started contacting people, and one of my friends uh, who used to live out there now lives in Barbados, and he he said mentioned the Kanukus. They had never been crossed in this way. Um, maybe I could be the person. He'd tried to do it before, I think, um, and failed because it's the the, ter the um, terrain is very very challenging in many ways. Not just because it's hills, but navigation is hard. Um, it, it's just it's just tough. <laughs> and um, he said the Kanuku Mountains that really set my imagination on fire straight away. Uh, it's really hard for any of that area um, to get any maps here. You can't get any books. And then again. That's one of the reasons I love love it is I like going to places that are hard to find out about. So it's kind of it's it's a journey in itself to even get any information. Um, but they do have maps that are really old from the 1970s, I think, over in Guyana. But you can't send anything on postal service from Guyana because it will never arrive. Um, so I had to wait until someone went there to then bring it back for me, kind of thing. Then I'd meet them and. I met them in central London and took the maps and then went home and that was my first glimpse because Google's Google kind of goes blurry at that around there. <laughs> yeah. Um so I was looking at these maps and I was like, holy I had them I had them on my floor of my sitting room and I realized just how many mountains and hills like this area was. So it was I mean, there was a lot a lot of incline and decline. And even again, like even though the distance we're talking is nothing in, in you know if you're just going for a walk absolutely nothing but you start putting in jungle you start putting in um some river crossings at the start and uh navigation steep cliffs and all that and that it's never about the distance in the jungle never it's um it's about the time it takes so i mean on a good day on in the jungle you're lucky if you can do five kilometers like that's a really good day and that's an eight hour day or whatever so that, that puts it in perspective. So the Kanuki Mountain Range that I wanted to go across the area where the mountains were at the highest. Um, again, we're not talking high mountains, we're talking about the height of Snowdon. Um, but put it in a jungle. About 1,000 metres for, for anyone who, um, just over 3,000 feet. That's right. Um, there's loads of mini, well, loads of Snowdons that you're going to go over. Um, I would, I would pick that sort of area, um, and then there are two tribal villages. Um, the, so I'm, I'm going from south to north, and there's a tribal village toward near to the end, where, uh, near to the start where I wanted to start, called Sand Creek Village, um, and then there's another tribal village up in Na called Nappy, up at the end. And the Kanuka Mountain Range is really interesting because it's very, very isolated, and it kind of comes out on a limb into the savanna. Um, so there's there's this jungle, but then there's savannah surrounding it. So these two tribal villages are actually in the savannah, ju just some of them. Um, but then there's this beautiful jungle going into the whole of the, the main part. So it's a really very isolated and it's protected as well. So it's a protected um, park by the rangers out there. There's no rangers that actually go in further than half a day, but technically protected and I had to get permits. Um, and you have to get the chiefs of the tribal villages to agree you're going to do this. There's all of that stuff involved before you even even go. And I also had to, uh, there's, there's some high up guys up in the country that you have to discuss with and take plans and things like that. So um, that was that was fun to do to start with because you always have to, everyone takes one look at you and you have to fight your corner and say you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wanted to do it just like, I did the previous one. I wanted to go with two um, indigenous guys. Um, so that was the plan. I got a contact out there to arrange one guy um, from Sand Creek Village, and I was going to try and find the other when I arrived and just ask who wanted to join me kind of thing. Um, the trip itself, because no one had done it in this way, like we didn't. I didn't know how long it was going to take, so I met up with someone who knew the area very, very well, hoping for answers. And all he could say was, uh, when I asked him how long, he's like, no idea. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> it could be a week, it could be four weeks, just we don't know. <laughs> so it was kind of hard to know, understand how much food you should take and things like that. Um, but so I 
I planned it, started planning this in September and I was leaving the end of January. Um, I had to um, fundraise the money because uh, it, I mean, expeditions, you think they're going to be one amount of money and then they're actually turned out to be more. Um, but I fundraised <laughs> money at the last minute, amazingly. And uh, I set off and you fly into Georgetown, which is a city in Guyana, which is near the coast. It's got quite a Caribbean feel to it. Um, and then you get a small plane over to a place called Lethem. And in this tiny plane, that's where you see the mountains for the first time. And so you're flying over the, you're flying over the jungle, but then you come over to the savannah and then you see the mountains. Um, and you look, I'm looking at them from the plane and I'm thinking, is that really them? Like they're much bigger. And so I, I think that that's another mountain range thing. But I, and I know deep down that that is them. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, that's really quite big and far <laughs> they've got quite a big prominence have they yeah because they come out of the the savannah and you just see these green big like they're very much mountains when you're down there um and i had arranged a local guy um to uh jerry to come and pick me up um and sort of he would be taking me to the tribal village and i even have to ask him for to like is that really the mountains and he's like Yep, and he says it in a way where he's like, like, oh, she has no idea what she's doing. He's like, I don't know, I do, but I just need to ask. But he's he's looking nervous for me, basically. Um, and I start to realise that people are quite nervous for me because um, when I go and stay in this guest house, they're like, oh, I've heard about you. Are, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Like, everyone keeps telling me things, and it's like they're more frightened of it than I am. Um, and I'm, I'm just packing my bags. I'm going to stay, before I go to the tribal village, I'm going to stay in this last point of civilization um, before. And then there's a knock at the door. Um, and I'm like, I'm not expecting anyone. <laughs> and I set off and the guest house guy, uh, woman's like, there's two men here to see you. So like, okay. um, and I go over and there's two very hostile looking, very angry looking men. Um, and they had heard about me and they'd heard that I was this blonde British girl coming to cross the Canoe Mountains. Um, and they're pissed off by that. They come, made the journey from Nappy Village, which was a fair journey because they don't, they don't have, they don't own major bikes or anything, but they'd managed to get, get hold of a little bike to come over to see me. Um, and they're basically really pissed off because who am I to come and cross these mountain ranges when they literally live under them in their little huts thinking, you know, one day we can climb these, or one day we will be the ones to cross it. And they've been dreaming of this their whole lives. And so I completely know, understand, and I'm on their wavelength with this, because if I lived next to them, I would think they're the same thing. Um, Question and I, why they haven't done it already. But <laughs> I think partly because um, of the way they live, even just if they'd gone from their village to the other village, just funds to get back. It's not, you know, it's not, we're not talking massive funds, but just when we're talking indigenous skies but I think that's partly it so funding um but yeah I thought exactly the same thing well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. well obviously as you're saying sympathy is the better route to take but definitely yeah no but as they seem like good guys and they really felt like I really felt like they had an idea of what they were going into they weren't very they weren't as much bushmen as a couple others um but they were determined and they had that adventure spirit um, and so I talk with them and I discuss and I hear where they're coming from. Um, and I say, look, I'd be thrilled to have you along. And they're like, well, we we want to come. We've also got two other, they call them brothers, two other brothers that we want to take along with us. From I was like, okay, I'm meant to be with two. Now I've suddenly got loads. Uh, so I, and they, they, they fight their corner. They say why those guys are good for it too. Uh, so I agree to that. Um, but then I say, okay, look, you can come. All you four can come. You have to also understand that I've already sort of got one message to another guy out in Sand Creek Village, which is not their village, and there might be a bit of tension from mm -hmm. Napa Sand Creek. Um, so if you can agree to that, then that that, that guy's going to come to, then that's okay. And also, I've got to leave tomorrow because that's my schedule. Mm. And so that means, um, you know, we shake on it. That means they've got to race back. They've got to tell their families that they're going to go and cross these mountains that they've been discussing for years and suddenly they're, they're doing it out of nowhere. <laughs> um, meanwhile, I, I, they're doing that while I'm going to get their food, so suddenly we've got to take loads of extra food, so I've got to go and 
pick up supplies, like going everywhere to try and get this, get that, get this for them. They they ask for things like rum, of course. <laughs> so they drink a lot of rum there. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I go to Brazil because Brazil's we're on the border of Brazil as well. Um, and I go over there to get some cheaper stuff and it's, it's chaos that night. But eventually get everything together the next day. Um, my friend Jerry, the driver, goes to take me to their village. We get a car full of men, so suddenly we've got four guys in the back. Um, we've got bows and arrows, we've got loads of raw meat that we're taking <laughs> to cook with. Um, and it's just, there's quite a cool atmosphere because we've got to drive over to the start of the, the to the first village where we're going to start from. And we're driving in the savannah quite a long way, and you're, you've got the mountains on your left. And we're realizing we we're going to cross these. And there was a point where I looked over to one of the guys. Um, uh, two of the guys could speak really, really good English. And then the other, there's two um, that really couldn't very well, uh, who were more the Bushmen, as we call it. And then one who was okay. And uh, I look over to one guy, and he's looking at these mountains. He goes, oh, It's a long way. <laughs> it's like, we've got to climb, we've got to go over these. I was like, Yep. But he's got that sort of excitement in his eyes so I know that that's a good thing um, and then we uh we arrive in Sand Creek village and we meet this guy who I was always meant to take and his name yeah. is Chinese Chinese absolute character uh isn't he's a champion of a guy but we did not know this at the start because he, he's absolutely pissed out of his mind on you know he's drunk when he when we, we meet him and he he's just acting making a bit of a fool of himself really um, and then the other four guys are thinking, who the hell is this? I mean, what? Who's this guy? He's just going to hold us back and all of this. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, we've got to take him. But he's he's talking gibberish as we're going along, and we we start setting off on the on the route straight away. And he's absolutely making no sense and talking nonsense. And there's a bit of tension between a couple of them and him. Um, and I'm having to defuse the situation, but at the same time, I'm also having to talk to this guy who's drunk because I don't want him to feel left out from the group this early on. There's a lot of politics and social stuff going on. A lot of leadership um, going on. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a weird thing because um, I didn't, you know, you, you think you're going to the jungle and straight away you're going to be in the elements, but suddenly I'm managing five very testosterone, um, <laughs> drunk, um, confident guys. But we got there. So, I mean, the wonderful thing about them is they all agreed early on to come with me. And you knew that from them accepting that, that they were accepting that a woman was going to go with them and that they would listen to me and things like yeah. that. That was something to really admire for them early on. And as we go, you know, we learn from each other way more. Um, so the, the first day of sort of going was at that tension. But then that night, um, Chinese, this guy is drunk, is, is missing. And everyone's like, where is he? Where is he? And we're just on the edge of the jungle at this point. So we've been going through it, but we hadn't got to the thick stuff. And we were still next to quite a fast flowing river um, with beautiful wildlife, the paradise kind of stuff where you've got the birds, you've got caiman um, snakes, and just wildlife everywhere. Um, and then we knew that after that, we would be going into the dark, dark horribleness of the, of the jungle. And Chinese missing, and then we go and we discover he's in the water and he's um, spear fishing, um, and he's catching dinner. And um, the other guys thought that drunk. was drunk. sorry. Still drunk, I guess. No, this he started to sober up. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. He's starting to prove himself, and the other guys are really um, impressed by that because their village doesn't live near water like that, so they've never. It's not their tradition to uh, spearfish that way. They fish in a different way. So they're watching him swim um, and being incredible and catching fish after fish and feeling like he's basically going in this murky water. You can imagine what jungle water is like. Um, feeling the ground for fish and feeling areas where there's fish and then spearing it and it comes up with fish. And it's just insane. Um, and so he really proves himself and suddenly he's got, he's got this place and respect by the other guys in the team and it felt like we were all... Um, bonding and we felt like we had a strong strong group then and there was even a point where he he goes do you want to do you want to see an anaconda and he, what he'd basically been doing he'd been swimming underneath this massive rock 
feeling with his hands and he discovered that there was an anaconda when he was feeling in his hand and so he was but it was such a big one and it was underneath his rock so he'd have to hold his breath go under and pull it up so he needed help so one of the other guys had the breath and with two of them it was so heavy they couldn't get it out but it was just it was um I mean would you want to do that like hold your breath swim underwater when you can't see anything but just feel and poke for a snake and try and grab it out that's nuts. Because yeah. anacondas, I don't know a lot about them. Were they bites? They'll bite, yeah. They're, they're boas. Like they'll, you know, they yeah. these things, but they will bite. They're not poisonous, but or hurt. But they could also just, uh, I, they, they said that they're pretty useless in the water. Um, right, okay. But in my mind, I don't know. But in my mind, they could still grab you, constrict you, and <laughs> drown you. Yeah. I, I have no idea. They were pretty, um, pretty blasé about the whole thing. Well, for anyone listening, planning on going to Guyana, uh, still, we recommend that you don't do this. No, don't do this. <laughs> a guy, a guy who's a character who there's a couple of other stories you may mention about him later. Uh, who's spear fishing fish, and <laughs> after drinking rum, probably isn't the best guy to take advice about whether an, an anaconda is safe or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just go and feel it with your hands instead. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that night no, was really nice because. Um, Everyone was together, and yes, the guys were still drinking rum. They drink rum until it's run out. Like they, they don't ration. <laughs> but like, they were just lovely. They were drunk, but they were all singing, and they were like, you know, welcome, Lucy. We're going to do this. We're going to the jungle. And um, one guy who I really loved, who's again one of the bushmen, Bento. Um, he was quite serious uh, and proper old school kind of tribesman. And I'd often find him looking at the map because. He, he didn't really know, to, he kind of knew the area, but because he'd gone a little bit inside it um, uh, previously. So he knew the terrain and how tough the terrain was. So, but, so he kept looking at the map. And he basically was looking at where he'd been up to, which was a minuscule amount to what we had to do. And he just kept, kept finding him, just looking at it, shaking his head, going, long way, Lucy, long way. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I was very much, because I knew he would be listened to quite a lot, which actually wasn't the case later on when I found, um, that I found. But um, I didn't want him to feel um, like, oh, we've got to turn back, or this is too much. So I wanted him to be very much positive, so I had to keep being like, Bento, we can do it, we can do it. And I kept saying, we can do it. And by the end, it was lovely, because he would set off, we'd set off after a break, and he would go, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, Barack Obama, yes, we can. Yeah. Sort of resonating through my head. It'd be like we can do it, and then when it was a really, when it'd be really hard, like going up the hills, like grabbing everything you could to try and get, it'd be sweating everywhere. You go, we're doing it. Nice. <laughs> 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 that was our little then to a nice little thing. Um, but then, yeah, no, we. I mean, we set off into the jungle, and it was. Um, you literally start sweating immediately as you you lose so much water but i think your body is amazing at adapting i'm always amazed on expeditions whether it's hot cold oxygen non oxygen like your body adapts quickly and you don't need to drink as much as you think like i would be wringing out my t-shirt within my shirt within like a few minutes but there was no way i was drinking that much so some something happens there that you adjust yeah. <laughs> um and you in the jungle so you walk in a line and you have two guys clipping um, at the start. Um, clipping is sort of, it's because it's so dense, uh, you have to cut the immediate vines because you're constantly getting, you're, when you're moving, you have to look out for so many things. You have to look out for roots on the ground. There's so many roots on the ground that you can trip. There's vines that just go in front of you that you just get tangled in. There's, you have to look out for snakes. You have to look out for wasp nests, bee nests, caterpillars that are poisonous snakes obviously um fallen trees there's just so everything you have to look out for and <coughs> and so on the the first few days it took mentally it took quite a lot because for my non-jungle brain you're just adjusting to that really um and i have obviously map and navigation experience but these guys um made it very clear that they they wanted to take the reins they showed them, told me how confident they were and they wanted to do it and one guy was called they kept calling him the map guy 
no, I felt sorry for him because he was the map guy because he had his compass. He had a proper old school compass around his neck. He looked so um, eager, like as the map guy. But I couldn't take that away from him. And he had the map and he had his... <laughs> Yes. So I was like, oh, wow, you know, map guy. Okay, let's see what map guy can do. And I had my compass and map and everything. But I, I thought, no, no, I'm going to leave it to them. Um, and no, not a good idea because I, <laughs> I then a day or so, a day or two days in, I look at it because um, things were going a little bit too smoothly. You know, we had water, which I didn't expect. You know, we were doing it in dry season, um, which meant one of the biggest dangers was going to be because we didn't know where the rivers and things were or the streams. Um, dehydration and heat exhaustion were the big going to be the big killers. But we were sort of going by this easy route. There was rivers and things. I was like, oh, it's going to be a doddle. Um, and then they're sort of looking at the map. And I think, I'm just going to go to the side and I'm going to look at what I've got. And then I'm like, no, we're going completely the wrong direction. No. And, oh, it just meant shattering that guy's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining um, like Disney's up. I'm imagining a guy with shorts, just so keen, with a little compass around his neck. He was so keen. And the, the sad thing was, earlier on that day, so we had the map, but because it's an old school map, um, you roll it up and it's quite big. Mm. The map guy had the map. Um, he had it on his rucksack. And earlier on in the day, he'd fallen and the map had come out. So, But we didn't realise until the next sort of stop. And um, so he had, him, he had to go and get the map, so backtrack. Um, and he got a bit of a bit of a telling off from one of the one of the guys who speaks a lot. Let's be let's say. And so I felt sorry for him because he was getting told off. And I was like, "Oh, fool that guy!" And now it's my turn to be like, "Gone the wrong way." <laughs> and so I break that to him, and he gets a telling off. And then the other <laughs> Eggy, he's there, he's looking at me, and he's like, "Well done," you know. Oh, I just can't believe that. I just can't believe we. <laughs> Uh, but I saw it and it's, I was like it's fine no, no, we all make mistakes and then then I realise because uh, then I go and talk to Matt Bro, I realise he's not quite looking at the, the, the compass and the map the right way or following the wrong arrows basically and no that, 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 then I go through it and you know I still let him take the lead but then we have a real great system where I check it every time so because it's so easy well, you're to teaching him that's good yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rain in his parade. Or teach. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we would do, because in the jungle it's so easy to lose your bearing and go off. We take a bearing every hour or so. Um, but the guy's clipping ahead of you. Um, they'll walk one way, but it's so easy to then go off the bearing if you're not mm. constantly staring at it. So they're they're going ahead, but we're all staying pretty close to each other because otherwise. You disappear into the undergrowth really easily. Um, but they walk a few minutes. They look back at us or that guy. And he goes that way. And then he checks with me. And I go, yeah, that way. Um, and then they change their, change their uh, bearing slightly. Um, but it's so easy to get lost. So, so, so easy. Um, but then we got a system going. And it felt, it felt good. And it felt um, nice that everyone kind of fell into their roles quite, quite well. Um, but it was really, yeah, it was a lovely feeling. And then that evening, um, were one of the guys and I who speaks better English, uh, he was talking to me and I was sort of saying, you know, it's really great that you have agreed to, you know, take me and come with me. And um, I hope you realise that you know, we can share anything because we're a team. Um, so anything you have a problem with or anything I have a problem with, we can share. And he agrees that, yeah, if you need help, with absolutely anything I don't care if you're a woman um then I will help and I was like wow that's very forward you know progressive of you thank you mm. um and that night I actually do need help it was almost like it was meant to be um I we were in a very tick tick area and uh, I, I'm sort of getting my hammock at night and I uh strip off and you do the kind of you're looking at yourself I've already washed and everything but they get everywhere and then I realised that I've got a tick in a place that is quite hard for me to get to, but also quite uh, private. And I'm sat in my hammock and I'm looking at, uh, like, 
could just about say it, and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> say. <laughs> so I go up to him and go, I've got a tick. He's like, I need your help. And he was so good about it. And it was it was really nice that, you know, here I am, here I am with um, these, you know, these guys, these tribesmen from completely different worlds, and we're all helping each other in such a mutual way. It was really nice that, yes, I can count on you and you can count on me. And that was yeah. great. So, yeah, he did get the tick. It was a big one. <laughs> <laughs> and it was never spoken about again. <laughs> yeah. Into the podcast that goes on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was nice. It was good. Um, and that night, actually, um, I, uh, I wake up and I wasn't aware of this. Um, so some the, the guys, the tribe school guys, the Amerindians, they... You, you learn this very quickly that if you're good in the jungle then you love washing and you love bathing in the jungle and you've got to love it because you've got to keep yourself clean in order to get rid of you know make sure parasites and you know infections things like that and they're all any chance to get they'll be bathing and washing their clothes um and often if they wake up in the middle of the night they'll go and do it as well and one guy had been washing in the middle of the night um and just through our camp wanders a jaguar and he didn't think to wake everyone up go away like that's <laughs> just normal to them and then he just said it over we were having some breakfast that morning just said it very like past you know I had the big jaguar just went just over there and I was like I just over, yeah just over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they, they're a bit mental aren't they um I think you're saying in another podcast uh, yeah. uh the, the the situation you have with the jaguar who was around you and all you had to go on was these these YouTube videos you were remembering of the same sound of a jaguar. Yeah. You were saying they go for the head, unlike the, the neck, like other big cats. They go for the head. Yeah, so they got these saber-toothed teeth. And unlike other cats that go for the throat, they go for the head because they have these teeth that can pierce the skull and then pierce the brain and kill the prey. So if you watch them on YouTube with the caiman, they're so strong. Think how strong a caiman is, like a big, big crocodile thing. Um, and they can just grab it. And they, they get their teeth into the skull and then they can just get it with their, drag it with their mouth. It's incredible. Um, but one thing, like the, when I was speaking to the tribes guys um, just the day before we left, they were telling me about their worries and their fears. It's because they asked me what mine were and I asked them what they were. Um, and they had a few um, because it was so unknown to them. Um, and they were like, well, we don't know what the wildlife is like. So there, are, there are all these stories in these villages, like um, you know, the jaguars. Normally, they're not scared of jaguars, but in the Kanuki Mountains, there is known to be um, these cats that travel in packs, and they, they, go, they don't stop at anything to get you. So there's all these stories. There's stories of, um, that I think are still accurate, of un uncontacted tribes that fled into the mountains um, when, when, say, when the tribal wars happened. Um, and they're actually from the same tribe of the five, uh, four of the guys that I was with. So they were confident that if that happened, they could speak their language. Um, and there's also stories of, the, you know, people being there on the edge of it recently and tribes coming up to them and, you know, asking them for things and then leaving again. So it was really interesting. And then the other one, of course, was them. they're really scared of Bushmaster snakes. Um, which we'll go into a bit later but there, I was like okay so you're really scared of them and we went on a mission that day to go and try try and find some um, local remedy for it and we eventually did find it I don't know how I think it I think it can help you for a few hours kind of delay the death <laughs> yeah or help whatever a bit like a rabies jab or something it doesn't yeah it just buys you time basically yeah, you actually you, you drink it um, so it buys you time apparently but I it's one of those things that yeah, they they say it works, but I don't, I don't know if it does. At least it's a placebo effect, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, they. I mean, jaguars normally are, are fine, and they were the, one of the small things on our list. The way we were going through past so many wasp nests and bee nests, and um, they really just they if they attack, you have to just drop your bags and go. So they're afraid of them. Yeah, you were saying so. In the UK, if a wasp comes over. I might be a bit uncomfortable. If they hover around me for a couple of seconds, I might just move away. If they follow me, I might run. But otherwise, I'm not drastically fearing. I'm just thinking, like, oh, get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to have my corona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
pun intended yeah <laughs> at time of recording just so everyone knows uh, in case again you're listening in the future at time of recording we're in the coronavirus pandemic lockdown um so yeah pun intended carry on sorry <laughs> sorry everyone um no i mean one thing isn't too bad but if you um if they sort of get become aware that you're nearby their nest then they'll become very protective and they they, and they, they just go for you just because you're close yeah yeah you're disrupting things um you don't you don't even need to be hitting it or anything like that you could just be a threat um so you have to give them a wide berth if you see them um and they're really hard to see they just look sometimes they just look like a sort of fungus on a tree yeah but you start again you start to become in tune and i'd be spotting them when they weren't and all of this so. i feel like they're on me <laughs> oh carry on sorry <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, one thing I didn't mention is um, on the first day before we actually went into the deep jungle, we were by this this river and we were catching some piranha and things like that. And um, actually, one of the one and one of the reasons I've gone to the jungle that I I like to go places if I can. I feel like I have a duty to do some sort of uh, data collection or science research stuff. Mm. And so I um, knew I was going to a very isolated and protected area. So I wanted to do my bit and take some samples that scientists wouldn't normally get um and although it's so protected i wanted to find out if there were microplastics in the waters and the sediment there so i mean we're finding them in the arctic and you know, are we finding them in this place that is uh hailed for being so lovely you know protected nicely because i think norway even give them give guyana money to protect this area um so i was collect oh, throughout every day um whatever stream or small puddle it was i would be collecting samples and um I mean, we don't have the data right now because Corona, um, but they're in the lab waiting to be tested. It's very wholesome of you. <laughs> but it's a lot of extra weight, I have to say. Um, yeah. But no, it's, it's worth it. And it's really nice to um, nice to know. And that also got the conversation started between me and the guys because uh, it's a really interesting moment because I sort of would explain why I was doing this. And they don't know why plastics are bad at all. So I have mm. to. Um, so it's starting from the beginning and they're taking it in and they're fascinated and they you know the, who's this David Attenborough who's changed the world you know, I'm telling uh, telling every aspect of the sort of the Europe's UK uh, Europe's um, plastic revolution and then they start you know I say for example when you have your coke bottle by throwing it away you know you've only just drank it you know it's, it's going to take hundreds of thousands of years to decompose and they're like huh so we should reuse and I was like yeah, like you know, a little. Bit. It was really, really nice to know, and that I've made a deal with them that after this Corona virus is done and we can do more stuff, is um, I'm trying to find a way to get David Attenborough's programs over to them because there's one TV in the village, um, and they want to show kids because I said how much kids. That would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, and it would be really great to see if they're also get as connected with the story and the wildlife. So. Yeah, because like you said, you can't post anything because it just won't get there. So. It will completely get lost straight away. Yeah, so I have to get someone who's there, who's going there in their suitcase or something. For sure. But, yeah, no, definitely, definitely on my list. Um, wow, I've lost my train of thought. Where was I? I was. We, we were talking about in the morning. You woke up and that one of the guys just casually went, "Oh, Jaguar went through yeah. the camp." Yeah. Um, but I want to ask about parasites, but perhaps I'll ask that at the end because that could be a bit of a, a wrap-up question, I think. Okay. And only because I'm fascinated to know just how disgusting it is. But um, so, yeah, let, let's let's crack on from there. So if we've woken up, you've just casually learned that a Jaguar passed through. <laughs> what yeah, next? We're, we're making sort of good progress. About, well, I say good, about four or five kilometres a day. Um, we're finding enough water, you know, uh, my water filtration so i wasn't doing tablets but um i had a filtration system that in the past has worked every time um but the water that we we're drinking was so dirty that it just clogged up and but then i kind of felt yes this water I, my mum would hate me for this but i was like yes this water is dirty and mucky but i know i know the guys have because they've been drinking that sort of water for longer they have more things in their stomach that can fight this stuff but I also, harder immune systems for it yeah, yeah i also kind of felt well i'm with them you know i shouldn't be using this fancy thing because one thing i decided early on is i took a couple of dehydrated fire pot meals um as an emergency um 
but then on the uh, on the day before I left, when I'd met the guys, I decided to ditch them completely because um, I didn't want to take anything that they weren't eating. So I was eating what they oh, ate okay. um, and drinking what they drank, and it just felt a bit more. You know, I wanted to very much be their equal. Cause, the team, yeah. Yeah, um, and that was a big part of it for me. I didn't, I learned from the trip before, I didn't want it to be them and me, so it was very much us. Um, yeah. But uh, that takes us to the sort of middle of the trip, and the middle of the, jung- uh, middle of the jungle where the mountains um, were getting pretty steep, it was also getting incredibly dense, uh, so dense that we were going two kilometres a day at this point. Um, <sighs> Which for your morale is not good. No. It, it makes you feel really, really rubbish. Because um, you look at the map and you realise, you know, even though you've only got 25 kilometres to go, you know, this could take <laughs> much longer. Um, so that was happening. And we were becoming... The, we, we had eaten too much at the start, basically. Um, and so we were becoming very, very low on food. And the hunting that we were trying to do all the time. So the guy, two of the guys had bows and arrows. Um, we were also trying to set traps, but it was really failing like a lot because we were, because it was very much an expedition where we were moving each day, camping. And the only time was at night. It wasn't a hunting trip, so to speak. So we weren't having any luck there. So we were getting pretty hungry. Um, and then one day we're going along and we're real remote and my navigation system isn't working at all. Um, because it's so thick, such a thick canopy, and there's no way, no way I can send a GPS signal out. So, no one knows where we are. And there's a thing in the jungle, in the Kanuku Mountains, at least, that at 3 p.m. you have to stop, and you have to stop because that's when the wildlife come out, comes out. And then that sounds kind of a bit abstract, doesn't it? But before then, we'd always stopped at 3 p.m. and we'd start getting the hammock. And um, but at this point, we were not at a place where we could get the hammock out or not a place not at a place where we could stop we were very we going down a very very steep bit where it was the thickest it had been ever because it was so dry and there was a tiny stream nearby that, that you know everything had kind of forced itself over there and it was 3 p.m and the guys were like oh god okay 3 p.m um and it just felt you just felt nervous in this bit and then one of the guys stops and he's like, okay, jaguar nearby. And so he, he can smell it and he knows there's jaguar. So we're looking around looking for jaguar. We can see the see that one's been just here. You know, we think it's nearby us now. Um, and so we're on edge. We've got our machetes out. We're looking, we're looking, looking. And then just as we're doing that, not able to see hardly anything, trying to stay very close together because otherwise we'll just lose each other. Uh, then there's this whistle, and this whistle, I don't know if it'll come through on here, but I'll try it. It goes like, like that. Um, That's like proper Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, well, nothing that I could find anyway tells you anything about this. Um, so I, I, the guy's colour in their faces drops, and I'm like, what, what, what is it, what is it? Um, and then one of, them, one of them goes, Bushmaster. I was like, Bushmaster? Oh, oh my god <laughs> oh shit go and it's really really close by and they're terrified of bushmaster snakes because they're big snakes um one bite of them you'll be dead but also they chase you so when you when they're near you need to leave that area quickly because they can they follow your scent um they follow your scent and if it's if it's night time they follow your scent wait underneath your hammock and strike when you least expect it and also they're known to if you hurt one of them they're known to travel in pairs so you hurt one, you need to get out of that quick area quickly because the other one will come after that. So they're scary things and they make this whistle and this whistle is a warning that they come out when they're waking up at 3pm and it's basically, um, I know that you're there um, and I'm coming to hunt you. And that's how they explained it. <laughs> so there's And so now Jaguar and a Bushmaster and we're dense jungle, we can't move very fast, but man, we get our skates on because they're like, go. So we just move quickly. We don't mind, you know, at the same time, we're having to look at the ground for Bushmaster snakes, but we're also having to get away from that one. But then we find ourselves that there's whistles coming from everywhere. And this is, <laughs> this is like a really not a good scenario. And we go for a bit, we go for a bit, and then there starts to be ones right in front of us as well. So we just have to stop because it's too dangerous to carry on the the light is starting to fade and we wouldn't be able to spot it as well. 
So we quickly start them. We, to make camp in the jungle, you have to basically clear an area of um, trees. You have enough to put your hammocks on, um, but there's not any leaves on the ground. There's no twiggy trees. You just, you make it so you can see everything you can see on the ground. So we quickly do that so that if a snake comes, we can spot it. And we quickly get some fires alight, like these guys, they can get fires like that. Um, and then we set three around our, three around us to bit, you know, get the jaguar away. And we're, we're actually in the middle of a gully at this point. Um, so we've come down the hill and then there's another steep hill above us. And so this, this, we're really still kind of surrounded by terrain. Um, and as we're clearing, not one but two of the guys get stung by bullet ants and I don't know if you know what a bullet ant is but it's on the pain threshold like scale it's known to be the worst pain you can experience and one of the guys who um, helped me set this up um, has been stung by bullet ants before but he's also been blown up and in the in the military and he said that getting stung by a bullet ant was worse than being blown up <laughs> so, oh my goodness so, yeah, and then so so two guys have just suddenly gone down with bullet ants. We've got Bushmasters whistling, we've got a jaguar around, um, the sun's going down, and then these two guys are in their hammocks in pain because the bullet, bullet ant um, doesn't just give you an almighty sting and feel like wherever you've been stung, it's on fire. It also gives you a fever for 24 hours. So it gives you a fever for 24 hours and this pain on your, like, in a concentrated area, like you're on fire for 24 hours. After 24 hours, it disappears in instantaneously. <laughs> it's weird. But my navigation system wasn't working. You know, we're, it really felt, wow, we're alone. No, I was thinking, what if, what if everyone goes down? <laughs> like, like, this is a bad place to be. And um, I did some video diaries that night, and I'm just like, not safe here. And I think I spent most of, well, we all did actually, we spent most of the night putting more wood on the fire. Like, we do every night, but giving that extra sort of shining our torches looking for the eyes um because we felt just so exposed there and so vulnerable so if one of us had got stung um or bitten you know bitten uh there was only us that was going to get get them out of there so and and we were in the middle at this point so we were furthest from help that we could have ever been um and going through that thick undergrowth and vegetation with carrying someone would be an almost impossible mission <laughs> Yeah, it's so, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a dodgy one. Um, but waking up from that and setting off um, without any Bushmaster whistles was like, okay, guys, I think we've got a team here. We, I think we can do this. So well, that was like the, that was the worst, worst few hours that I've had, like where just everything felt like a, like a test. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, Jeez. <laughs> That's nuts. That's proper adrenaline spiking moment. Yeah, it was very much your uh, your you go into survival mode where you're just like your wipes your eyes. Everyone's on alert all the time because um even though you've got your you kind of got this safe little feeling that you're in this place you've cleared out, but surrounding you is the, the deep jungle where you also have this feeling that things are watching you from that. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was gonna say when you're in that sort of situation it may the answer may well be both as is much in life nothing's ever black and white but is it more of a suddenly every single bit you've learned comes into play or is it some sort of deeper instinct like survival instinct comes out and you're suddenly doing stuff that you've not done before but you know it makes sense and, it, and it's working out for you I think everyone's got that survival instinct just people haven't tapped into it um and almost the things that you've learned go into the back burner because you start thinking, it doesn't matter, like, what, what do I have to do now? And, yeah, you just feel your sort of primal state kicks in. And you, it's not like you're even scared. You're just, like, focused on how to get out of this or what to do next. Because I didn't remember, don't remember being scared. I just remember being very, like, okay, what have I got to do? <laughs> um and thinking logically, but also thinking just what is whatever pops into my head to do, you know, and you're, ne you're never doubting yourself. I think that's the biggest thing is you have to believe and trust your experience, but also trust your gut that, you know, you can do it. Because if you start doubting yourself at that moment, then that's when things go wrong. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that isn't a mode that you're going to get too often in 
central London or on the train to Bristol. Yeah. So. It's good to know that you can tap into it, but yeah, it takes a takes a sort of experience to do it, I suppose. For sure. It's weird feeling um, much more than when you're in the mountains and in the mountains because you've got you've got very much get you the gear and you know we weren't in the high mountains hundreds and hundreds of years ago because we didn't have the technical stuff to do it but there's something about the jungle which we were in you know yeah all those years ago that i think we really do all have in us that we can tap into and it yeah. does feel very much like a fight or flee kind of thing like yeah i think using just yourself and maybe a tool of a machete or something like that feels very uh, empowering <laughs> yeah yeah uh, like well like you said a bit primitive yeah so going go back to those early stages for sure and you you do you start to become in, so in tune with things that they are in tune with because they're in the jungle all the time but me you know the everyday person living in the city or what's just civilization at first we can't believe that they can smell a snake or how are they walking so confidently in the jungle knowing where to step whereas at the start you're sort of freaked out by everything and every i one great thing i take in the jungle which i recommend anyone doing is take some really thick gardening gloves um because you're putting your hands everywhere but even though with these gloves you still don't want to put your the, in the jungle there's so many trees um with not only like poisonous stuff on but also massive spikes and these spikes come in all shapes and sizes they come in spikes like are thick they come in also like needles that are, that are sort of you know 30 centimeters long that if you <laughs> that you don't spot and you they just pierce you basically um so you have to that's another thing you have to look out for but within a few days your brain starts spotting those before you've even seen it there's something in you that you get in tune with um and there's something that i really really love about going up hills in the jungle which i never, never expected but it's in a way with a big weight on your back um it's a bit like uh cross-country skiing because as long as you're sensible with where you're not looking for dead trees or anything but um you can get a really good rhythm of grabbing because there's so many trees oh of course yeah so you pull it it's not only a leg workout and stuff um but you're also pulling yourself up and it can it can feel really good and it can work out um and so i was really quite enjoy, quite enjoying that and that's something that the guys would <laughs> really struggle on the hills. Um, but I get in my element on that. And they they had such light bags in comparison to me. I was, uh, I had a lot of camera kicks. So I was filming it. And I refused, you know, I gave two bits of my kit to them because they wanted, they, day three or something, they tried my bag on. They were like, Whew. And I have to say, it was heavy. <laughs> it was very, very heavy. It was, um, I weighed it just before I left, and it was 33 kilograms. <laughs> so I was having that, but I was also like going up these hills faster than them. So I think that was lovely because it gave me, again, a respect. So that was nice to get that early on to make sure it wasn't, again, them and me. So, For yeah. sure. Yeah. So we've survived some bush bushmaster snakes, which is incredible. <laughs> What's next? You mentioned you're about halfway. About halfway, but then um, because we felt like we'd gone through everything, the next few days kind of worked out for us. Um, even though we had very little food, um, some of them, some of the guys really found that hard. But then Bento and I, Bento's the real bushman guy. Um, we really got on because it was like, well, if we don't eat, we don't eat. And him and I wanted to do the last bit as quick as we could because of food. But then the other guys wanted to do it slower because of food. So we had to sort of talk that through. Um, and then there was one moment where Benjo really wasn't listened to. And I was sticking with him. And he was sort of saying his opinion on which way to go on the route. And I was taking that in. He said, I think we need to go up on, they call it a ridge, but sort of a ridge of a hill um, because on the ridges of the hills the terrain the the jungle isn't as thick because of the roots so you know the roots hanging on so you can walk more freely but that meant kind of taking a longer way and then going down whereas the other guy who who could talk a lot he wants to go straight down um, it would be much more dense but it would be quicker in terms of how the crow flies and Bento really tried to fight his corner and I tried to fight it, but this guy, he wasn't having any of it. And so we reluctantly like went down this thick bit. 
and it got so bad. It was a proper steep cliff with this, with just rock, and then and you didn't see it until you're right on the edge um, because of the you know the, the veg. And you're looking at this, and you're also because it's so steep. There's so many dead trees. So you're hanging onto things, and they're falling. And we, at the very last minute, we had to climb down this this cliff by using jungle rope. So we, I had a rope in my bag, but we didn't have time to get it out. Um, so we had to get the vines, and we had to quickly climb down. Uh, and it could have could have been chaos. Could have been so bad. And Bento was just like fuming. He was like, "Oh, you should have listened to me. So listen." <laughs> and that that added a lot more time on again because um, you know messing around on this thick stuff. And it, it's horrible when you're moving so such short distances in like an hour. <laughs> it yeah. really. Um, and then it, it kind of felt like, oh, you know, will, will this ever end? Will this ever end? Um, and a couple nights before the end, I, I think I, I was sort of, the food thing was starting to get to me. And we finally come to a proper river again through the middle of the jungle. And we'd been looking for this idyllic camp for ages. And we kept talking about this camp that we were going to find. We had never found this idyllic camp because it had all been gross, gross puddles of water and yeah. you know, darkness. But finally we had a bit of sun and we had this. Um, and uh, we saw another jaguar uh, go past as we were approaching this and it was like they were very much around but we were in tune with the jungle now so it was fine <laughs> um, and we got we got to this camp spot and I'd been saving my battery on my phone um, uh, just just in case for pictures and things like that um, and finally I was like well we're almost there I'm going to play some music and so I, I I played some some music and there was there was I think Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley <laughs> And there was a really beautiful moment where uh, it was going on, and I, everyone couldn't help but start doing the sort of the jig, the jig. <laughs> in the middle of the jungle. Um, all of us from different worlds um, dancing out to Jailhouse Rock, um, knowing that the end was in sight at this point at our idyllic camp we'd been looking for, and it was like, yeah, it was really good. And we were promising each other that you know one day we would go and listen to Jailhouse Rock and dance in a. <laughs> in civilization <laughs> yeah for sure that was nice and yeah so then i guess it takes us to towards the penultimate final day so um we had been going for 10 days or so and really hungry at this point and we just on the 10th night we get to the point where bento had been where rangers had been um before so it's a camp that the other guys knew. It was the furthest other people had kind of gone into the Kanuka Mountains, yet for us, you know, we only had a day left. Um, and Bento just disappears when we get to this point. And he comes back, comes out of the jungle, and he comes out with um, a huge bunch of plantain, you know, the bananas. And it was just an insane moment because we were so hungry. And that night was going to be a real sore one on the stomach, and the next day was going to be hard. It comes out and there was just one bunch on this tree and we ate that banana, that plantain in five different ways that night. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But it was so so good because um we had it at night and um I we get into the hammock quite early, but the guys were really excited. You could tell that they knew they were gonna finish, so they were all buzzing on adrenaline. Um and so they were up and they were just drinking the last we only had coffee left and they were just cooking plantain all night and there was a storm going on and the storm in the jungle causes deadfall uh, trees and branches to fall down so there'd be this <laughs> sort of crashes down near us and it would be like way <laughs> 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 eating plantain and drinking coffee they're just so happy and um, yeah we um we we did the last day and for me that was almost the worst day because the last day was so close yet in my mind, I kind of clocked out and thought we'd done it. Um, and that, it was like my body had already given up that, that just that last day. I'd had no issues before that. Um, so on the, on the very first day, I got bitten by these flies called Kabora flies. And I, I was telling you earlier before this podcast began, oh. <laughs> these flies, they come when there's, um, you're near big bits of water. So it was only on the first day. And they're quite big and they land on you and you don't feel it at all. And even with insect repellent, they land on you. 
and they make it itch a little bit like mosquitoes but they don't um but they actually take a whole chunk of flesh with them and they make it bleed so my legs are an absolute mess um and they had just started to be really uncomfortable on that last day uh, i'd been bitten honestly hundreds of times um and the day before i'd also had a poisonous caterpillar fall on my leg um that i sort of didn't realize until a minute or so after it being on my leg and that night i had had to spend half an hour pulling the spikes out of my leg um that, that was starting to irritate as well on that last day the awful almighty chafing that i had managed to avoid or <laughs> the whole trip had started on that last day as well and um oh. and then i also started to just think about my dog a lot <laughs> and i started <laughs> I was at home with my dog. So the last day was a real drag and draw, like test, you know, like just plod, plod, plod. We were also walking faster because um, getting to the edge of the jungle, it was opening up a bit more. So suddenly we were walking quickly and there was like, everything, your body sort of giving up. I'm thinking about my dog. And then finally we, um, we get to this point and the guys know this area now. It's close, fairly close to their village. And the jungle just ends and it opens up to the most beautiful setting you've ever seen ever with this water this waterfall this wildlife again there were two there was a family of um family of i don't know where they're from but some sort of tribe all naked washing their baby in the river and all of that and also the, the guy was fishing and we, we open up we're finally at the end because you can feel sunlight you, you feel safety you feel that sense of openness and um, the guys go ahead and I sort of say, I'm just going to do some filming because I'm filming it. And I click up the camera, not knowing what to say, and I just burst into tears. And it's this like relief and pride of me, but also the guys. And, you know, we've all done it together. And now look, you know, we've actually done it. You know, wow, <laughs> we did it. There was a few days before when we were doing two kilometers a day. A day we thought we were going to be, this was going to take weeks. And look yeah. at us. We've got through it and we're we have done it as a team and it was just, it felt lovely. And so, yeah, that was a wonderful way to end it. And the guys were just unbelievably lovely about it. And they were thankful to be on it. And I was so thankful to them to come. And it's quite, quite a special, special moment, really. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That sounds insane. <laughs> That's not the Cheddar Gorge hike I do. <laughs> In, in the UK <laughs> jeez that sounds that's an incredible story that's nuts uh, yeah. before before we get onto the wrap-up questions yeah it I sound well I would say is there anything else to say we, we've said so much and yeah I bet there's still so much that you remember afterwards good oh this happened that happened yeah, yeah. but before we do move on to the wrap-up questions is there anything else that we need to know at all I just think the big thing I learned, um, I went in there for a big expedition and adventure. But um, I did, of course, come out with that. But I think the biggest thing was the dynamic between me and the, the guys. And, you know, it wasn't just me and the guys, but it was also me, the guys. And there were from two different tribes. Um, so it was basically three worlds all coming together for the same goal. And um, that was my favorite bit about it, really. It's like, yeah. look, you know, we all had such a... If we all had one goal together, we could all learn so much from each other. And it was just, yeah, it was a great, great feeling to learn from them and also teach them. And yeah, neutral, very much a neutral experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So my first wrap up question is just more about the parasitic nature of the jungle. Uh, just out of fascination, um, I think we're talking before we hit the record button. What are actually the, the statistics of people going and coming back? I didn't actually realise it's, it's a daily thing to be pulling ticks out and, and be checking for, for for all this sort of stuff and the poisonous caterpillars that lands in your leg. Um, but just going a bit more in depth, what is that nature like? Jaguars are big things that are physical dangers you can see. What's the the hidden dangers like? Uh, it's always the little things, isn't it? So whether you're yeah. talking parasites that are getting in your body in ways that you can't even see or things that you're eating or drinking um but ants there's ants in your pants all the time and ants range from being tiny to massive uh leeches of course things like that um things manage to find a way <laughs> in, 
Um, and there was a parasite that I didn't even know existed um, that I got told about the, by these guys. And it, I, so everyone knows about the one that swims up when you pee in the water. Everyone knows about that one. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this one, I don't, don't quite know how it gets inside you, but the effect of it, oh, this is going to make you squeal. The effect of it, so it only affects men. Um, and it basically rots the skin on your balls, so to speak, leaving, so it rots, the, rots just the surface, the actual skin, leaving them free um, of whatever it looks like without your skin on. And then that, that goes further up inside your stomach. Um, why this happens, I have no idea. I have no idea. But doesn't that sound absolutely disgusting? <laughs> That's rank. Why? So, yeah. Why? Why? I don't know what it means doing that, but that's what happens. It's just got like, it's just it's just whole family that generations of like vengeance being passed down. To, like which is like the little paras- parasite grandparents and the little parasite children. Yeah. <laughs> so, so building from that then, which is hard to continue talking after imagining, if I'm quite frank with you. Um. So building on from that, you've got your before reasons, which is I need to go somewhere new. Essentially, without sounding like a movie, find yourself. And I always think that there's after reasons. Why do you go back to the jungle? What is it about the jungle? There must be something quite beautiful um, amongst that chaos that draws you back each time. I think it's um, like with anything, it's a primal thing. And once you got your system and once you realize that you don't have to fight with it you go with it uh there's something really lovely and flowing about it and you can make it work for you sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it's scary but um i think the more you become in tune with it the more opportunities present themselves and the more fascinating things you can learn and experience wow yeah because i i think despite those stories that I think there's something in me there where someone says, Chris, do you want to go to the jungle? I think I find myself saying yes. And yeah. my brain somewhere would be like, no, don't do it. <laughs> well, I think that happens to me. I, I, I spent yeah. many uh, sleepless nights beforehand waking up and thinking, oh, I really don't like that feeling of lying vulnerable in a hammock. But now I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I like it. Yeah. And last question, and I ask everyone this, and I've asked you it before, and if you listen to this show regularly, then you'll know what I'm about to say, but from all the moments, the quite epic moments in the jungle on this trip, what is the one moment you'd like to relive? Uh, I think it's when I switched on the song of Joe House Rock, and we all had a boogie in the middle of the jungle, feeling like it wasn't quite finished in the bag, but it was, it was in sight, and we knew it. And that was just, it was that taste of Elvis Presley bringing us together <laughs> in this weird environment. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's, it's been my pleasure once again. So thank you. Thank you so much. Another incredible story, just getting stuck into the Kanuka Mountains. <laughs> the jungle just sounds insane. It just sounds so nuts. But if you enjoyed this episode, please go over to lucyshepherd.net if you want to find out more from her. Please consider subscribing and following should you wish to and share it with a friend who you may think would like this sort of podcast. If you want to get in touch, btmtravelpod at gmail.com. If you want to follow on Instagram and social media, it's at btmtravelpod. And otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you in the next one.